0: And now, here's your host, Sean Rost.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whatever hour you're tuning in to listen to the R Missouri podcast. My name is Sean Rost, and I'll be your guide as we explore the memories, moments, and misfortunes from R Missouri. In honor of the state's 200th birthday, R Missouri will feature a series throughout 2021 entitled Bicentennial Book Club, which discusses award winning publications that detail the state's diverse history, as well as the stories behind the stories featured within their pages. In the April 1954 edition of the Missouri Alumnus, the authors felt that one Missourian was worthy of the moniker, Mr. Missouri. Writing of this individual, the magazine confessed that, quote, There is no way of estimating how many Missourians read his magazine, for he has achieved the most impossible combination of scholarship and sprightliness in its pages. End quote. Continuing, the alumnus noted that, quote, He is personally known to more Missourians than any other public man in Missouri including 12 governors of the state and seven presidents of the university, end quote. Pondering how he did it, the alumnus asserted that, quote, it is easy to account for the soundness of his scholarship, as he himself is an historian with enviable reputation. He knows that history must be based on scholarship, and his library is a mecca for scholars of history who come from all over the country to dig into his treasures, end quote. In the magazine's opinion, then Floyd Shoemaker deserved the title Mr. Missouri because he had, quote, spread his gospel of Missouriana over his state from corner to corner, end quote. Today's episode focuses on Floyd Shoemaker. While the name might sound familiar to some people today, he was very familiar to generations of Missourians in the early to mid-20th century. That's because as an author, editor, and secretary at the State Historical Society of Missouri, Shoemaker was connected to multiple projects on state history. In fact, during this time, the average Missourian might encounter Shoemaker's influence in their school history textbooks, on the shelves of their local library, in the columns of their newspapers, and even in their mailboxes. Put simply, Shoemaker in his day was perhaps the most widely read Missouri historian. The scholarly works attributed to him and other co-writers not only shaped the way people understood the state's history, but also led to new scholarship that expanded, critiqued, and challenged his earlier findings. Ultimately, Shoemaker brought history to the people and reminded them that documentation, preservation, and scholarship were important ways to remember the past and understand the complexities of Missouri. Despite the moniker of Mr. Missouri, Floyd Shoemaker's life actually began in Florida. Born in 1886 to Frank and Emma Shoemaker, Floyd spent the first few years of his young life in Kissimmee, Florida. His parents were both originally from Pennsylvania, with his father spending his youth in that state, while his mother's family moved to Macon County, Missouri, soon after her birth in 1868. Though his parents were Pennsylvania born and he himself spent his youth in Florida, the Shoemakers made their home eventually in Lynn County, Missouri in the 1890s. During their life in Buckland, Frank Shoemaker ultimately served as mayor, justice of the peace, and even president of a local bank. Reflecting back on his parents, Floyd later wrote that their, quote, "...sacrifices in my early youth and precepts in boyhood days guided my ambitions and education," end quote. Educated in the public school system of Buckland and nearby Brookfield High School, Schumacher enrolled at the 1st District Normal School, now Truman State University, in Kirksville. A 1906 graduate of the college with a degree in pedagogy, Schumacher was involved with the Claytonian Debating Club, the College Orchestra, the Phi Lambda Epsilon Fraternity, and even elected senior class president. Right out of college, Shoemaker accepted a position teaching at a school in Colorado, but soon opted to continue his studies at the University of Missouri in Columbia, where he pursued a bachelor's degree in political science. He took a brief break from the university in 1909 to teach history and Latin at Gallatin High School, but returned to Columbia that fall and entered the graduate program in political science. While still a graduate student, Shoemaker was offered two opportunities that would be hard to pass up. First, the university allowed him to teach as an assistant professor of political science and public law, which he would do from 1909 until 1911. And second, the relatively new State Historical Society of Missouri offered him a position as assistant secretary and assistant librarian. Schumacher would remain employed with the historical society for the next 50 years and eventually earn honorary doctorates from Central College in Fayette and the University of Missouri at Columbia. The Historical Society that Shoemaker joined in 1910 was still in its infancy, and it only recently established relative stability. Founded in 1898 by the Missouri Press Association, the State Historical Society of Missouri was the result of a collaborative effort to collect, preserve, exhibit, and publish state history, particularly newspapers, at a time when many other states were doing the same. A year later, the Missouri General Assembly established the Historical Society as a trustee for the state, though it would not be until 1901 that an appropriation was provided to the organization. Shoemaker's position came open when Minnie Organ, one of the original staff members and the first full-time employee, left for graduate work at the University of Chicago. When she started in 1900 professor and eventual acting university president Isidore Loeb, served as secretary. But after a few years, Loeb turned his attention solely back to the university and Francis Asbury Sampson assumed the secretary position. Reflecting years later on his time with Sampson, Shoemaker noted that Sampson was an avid collector of materials that were, quote, by far the most complete in existence, and even contained many official state documents that were missing from the collections in the state capitol, quote. In Shoemaker's view, Sampson's collections stood as the first major donation to the historical society, outside of newspapers sent in from various Missouri Press Association affiliates. And the society's library materials soon expanded when Professor Jonas Viles unloaded a train car worth of documents that had been saved from the state capitol fire in 1911. As assistant secretary, Shoemaker quickly made it his mission to expand collections of the historical societies, particularly newspapers. Yet such attempts at ample collection soon caught up with Shoemaker. Noting the need for a new library building on the University of Missouri campus that would house both the academic library as well as the historical society's reading room, Shoemaker lamented to the Columbia University of Missouri and that every available space was filled with historical documents, including an abandoned elevator shaft in academic hall, what is today Jesse Hall. If a new facility was not authorized by the state legislature to allow for better storage of materials, Shoemaker feared that, quote, I expect to see it filled to the dome, end quote. Perhaps fearing a similar fiery catastrophe might befall Academic Hall, as it had the state capitol and its campus predecessor with only charred remains and lonely columns to show for it, the legislature appropriated the money for a new university library soon after. With a new home and storage space on the horizon, Francis Asbury Sampson opted to step down as secretary and instead serve as the Historical Society's bibliographer. In stepping aside, Sampson had allowed Shoemaker to assume the position of secretary. In wishing Sampson well, the Henry County Democrat judged Shoemaker to be, quote, a young man whose heart and soul have been in historical work and whose researches, supplemented by his literary ability, have produced valuable historical books and pamphlets, end quote. When Samson died in 1918, Shoemaker eulogized that, quote, "...as long as the people of Missouri take pride in the story of their state, will they honor the name of this man who in his quiet way did so much to preserve the records of the Commonwealth. When the evening news lights the morning fires, the popularity or odium of careers is ended. So it would be if no Samson's lived, if no historical societies existed. And people who care nothing for their past will make few records for the future." A state that refuses to preserve her history will make little history to preserve, end quote. Now, most of what is known about Shoemaker's time as secretary comes from his correspondence and his own retelling of events in 1948's The State Historical Society of Missouri, A Semicentennial History. As such, a review of Shoemaker's tenure must reckon with the fact that the author was describing what he sometimes saw as his own accomplishments. For example, in his centennial history of the historical society, Alan R. Havig called the secretary, quote, a natural writer, end quote, but noted, quote, Contemporaries were unaware of the essential contributions made by Floyd Shoemaker's key staff members because the secretary did little to make their work known, end quote. According to Havig, this was especially relevant in Shoemaker's correspondence with researchers, where valuable pieces of state history gleamed through the research and labor of staff members like Sarah Guitar were signed off with Shoemaker's name. Quote, his use of the Society's staff and his own paid research assistants only partially explain his prodigious output as author and editor. As secretary, Shoemaker set out to accomplish two main goals quote, to popularize the state's history so that it would become an intimate part of every person in the state, and to edit an historical magazine which reader interest and in scholarship would rank with the best in the nation. End quote. While the second goal will be addressed later in this episode, Shoemaker sought to meet the first through a series of public projects. First, he made it a habit to travel as extensively as he could throughout the state and promote the work of local historical societies. Shoemaker also saw this as a way to scout for potential material and financial donations, supervise key commemorations, including the state's centennial, and spread his influence over Missouri scholarship. Second, in the years following the state's centennial in 1920-21, 20, Shoemaker co-edited publications related to the Missouri Constitutional Convention of 1875 and as well as public addresses given by Missouri's governors between 1820 and 1920. The messages and proclamations of the governors of the state of Missouri eventually expanded to cover events up to the 1960s with editorial support from Buell Leopard, Grace Gilmore, Sarah Guitar, and Dorothy Penn. Shoemaker also later co-edited a four-volume publication on Ozark Folk Songs with Francis Guthrie Emerson and Vance Rudolph. Third, he, along with his staff, developed a newspaper series entitled This Week in Missouri History that started in the mid-1920s and ultimately concluded in 1960. At its height, the series ran in 270 newspapers across the state and featured topics of political, military, social, and biographical history. In the 1940s, some of these articles were edited into a two-volume publication called Missouri Day by Day. Finally, in what Shoemaker considered perhaps his crowning achievement in his time as secretary, the profile of the historical society expanded from one of seeming indifference among Missourians regarding its status to a membership that rivaled, and in some cases exceeded, the largest historical societies in the United States. Now, let's turn to Floyd Shoemaker's most well-known writings. From the very beginning, Shoemaker's scholarship centered on Missouri political history. In fact, his master's thesis examined Missouri's original constitution in the early 19th century debate over statehood. Building off this project, Shoemaker completed what was considered his signature monograph, Missouri's Struggle for Statehood, in 1916. In it, Shoemaker hoped to, quote, "...relate in an accurate manner the story of Missouri's struggle for statehood, of our first constitutional convention and constitution, and of our first state election and legislature." End quote. Noting that much attention and scholarship had been focused on national issues tied to the Missouri Compromise, he concluded that his work was necessary because, quote, "...the local side has been passed over with little comment." End quote. While relying heavily on primary sources from the 19th century in his examination of statehood, Shoemaker also admitted that he was deeply influenced by H.A. Trexler's Slavery in Missouri and Lewis Houck's History of Missouri. At the time, both works were considered to be some of the most well-developed scholarship on Missouri history and ultimately influenced scholars throughout the 20th century. Writing on Houck's book, Shoemaker expressed the opinion that it, quote, should be in the hands of every student of Western and Missouri history, end quote. Now, to learn more about Lewis Houck's history of Missouri, check out episode 46 of Our Missouri with Joel P. Rhodes. Shoemaker followed up Missouri's struggle for statehood a few years later with Missouri's Hall of Fame, Lives of Eminent Missourians, which provided short biographies of key figures in state history. As with most of his writings, he tended to focus on what he deemed to be significant political figures, but he also devoted space to authors like Mark Twain and Eugene Field, artists like George Caleb Bingham, and explorers like Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. The Shoemaker's biographies centered overwhelmingly on deceased white male dignitaries, but he did offer some comments on living individuals as well, such as journalist Walter Williams and General John J. Pershing. Yet the only section devoted to women in the Hall of Fame featured Clara Hoffman. It is certainly interesting to consider how Shoemaker selected Hoffman among a long list of Missouri women, and only her. Yet when it is understood that a marble bust of Hoffman resided in the Historical Society's reading room, no doubt staring at him from its pillared perch, it seems obvious why Schumacher included her in the book. In considering Hoffman's contribution to state history as a major suffrage and temperance reformer, Schumacher concluded that she was, quote, one of the first and greatest leaders in Missouri who had the courage to begin this fight for women, end quote. Now, to learn just how Hoffman's marble bust ended up at the State Historical Society of Missouri, check out episode 20 of Our missouri Having established himself as a leading scholar in Missouri's early political history, Shoemaker turned his attention towards publishing for a wider audience in the 1920s. In that decade, he produced A History of Missouri and Missourians, a history textbook geared towards, quote, Class A elementary grade, freshman high school, and junior high school, end quote. As had been so central in his earlier book, Shoemaker filled the pages with political history, including short sections on each Missouri governor from territorial leaders through Arthur Hyde and Sam Baker. To align these many biographies Shoemaker structured the textbook in a chronological format that touched on key subjects such as imperial claims to the region, the Louisiana Purchase, the Missouri Compromise, and the Civil War and Reconstruction period. Yet he also included sections on geography, industry, transportation, arts, and military conflicts. Writing in the 1920s, Shoemaker leaned heavily on early to mid-19th century Missouri history with only sporadic coverage given to recent events as well as the various Native American tribes that lived in the region prior to colonization. Perhaps the most glaring scholarly gap relates to women's history, as Shoemaker does not acknowledge the existence of women in the state's social, political, economic, and cultural significance until a brief section on the 19th Amendment, which Missouri ratified in 1919. Likewise, Shoemaker reserves his assessment regarding people of color to the larger subject of slavery, again taking a political history perspective that focused more on the law than the individual. Nevertheless, it is easy to see how Shoemaker's scholarly structure influenced later Missouri history textbooks, albeit with an increasing acknowledgement of the complexities and diversity of the state and its history. Shoemaker himself followed a similar path from a history of Missouri and Missourians with his next two publications. In 1930, he co-authored with the esteemed journalist Walter Williams a multi-volume series entitled Missouri, Mother of the West. In it, Williams and Shoemaker expanded the latter's earlier textbooks into two extensive volumes covering the indigenous populations of the region prior to European colonization through Missouri in the 1920s, to particularly focus on how Missourians had also moved west and shaped the social, political, and cultural identities of Westerners. Volumes three for five were subsequently filled with biographies of Missourians written by various scholars, thus replicating but ultimately expanding Shoemaker's earlier Missouri's Hall of Fame. In 1943, Shoemaker followed up Missouri Mother of the West with another multi-volume series entitled Missouri and Missourians, Land of Contrasts and People of Achievements. As with most of his previous publications, Missouri and Missourians contained two volumes attributed to Shoemaker that surveyed state history and three additional volumes that offered biographies authored by various individuals. Ultimately, Shoemaker intended to show the reader that through its trials and tribulations, quote, Missouri has been a land of promise to many. But perhaps the most widely read Schumacher Shoemaker Publication was the Missouri Historical Review. Begun in 1906, the quarterly journal informed readers about Missouri history and the activities of the State Historical Society of Missouri. Shoemaker's first issue as editor premiered in July 1915 with an opening reprint of a recent speech he had given in St. Joseph at a meeting of the Missouri Society of Teachers of History and Government, which examined what he deemed to be the six periods in Missouri history. This was followed by recommendations for club women regarding how to teach and discuss Missouri history. And finally, the journal concluded with references to recent Missouri history articles in local newspapers and publications. Reflecting back on the 1915 issue in his final Missouri Historical Review published in April 1960, Schumacher acknowledged that he had been quite naive at the start of his tenure as editor. Quote, The only thing I was unfamiliar with was editing the review. End quote. He also confessed that due to a short window between his election as secretary editor and his first published edition, he was, quote, forced through lack of contributors to write all of the 62 pages, end quote. From this abrupt start, Schumacher moved quickly to establish relationships with noted scholars to guarantee a recurring cast of contributors, as well as new scholarship from up-and-coming academics. During Shoemaker's run as editor from 1915 to 1960, the review developed into a noted journal that featured not only his beloved political history, but also key subjects and theories across the historical spectrum. In its later history, the review featured an editorial advisory board that vetted submissions. But Alan Havick found that Shoemaker, quote, passed judgment himself or relied on the advice of staff members, end quote, when it initially came to quarterly content. Shoemaker also felt compelled although less frequently than his first edition, to author pieces for the journal, including 1921's Popularizing State History, where he argued that America's greatest asset is not her natural resources, it is rather her national historical heritage, end quote. Though he retired from the Historical Society in 1960, Floyd Shoemaker never really left the organization. For the remainder of his life, the title attributed to him in newspapers, besides Mr. Missouri, was Secretary Emeritus. He still traveled the state giving talks on various elements of Missouri history and continued to consult with the Historical Society on various projects. In 1961, Governor John M. Dalton nominated Shoemaker to the prestigious Academy of Missouri Squires. Founded a year earlier, the Academy of Missouri Squires is a 100-person group of hand-picked Missourians who are celebrated for their accomplishments in various fields. And Shoemaker's class included Anheuser-Busch and St. Louis Cardinals owner Gussie Bush, University of Missouri retired football coach Don Ferro and U.S. Senator Stuart Symington, among others. In 1971, Shoemaker joined a Who's Who list of Missouri scholars, including William Foley, David March, Louis Atherton, Jarena East-Giffen, and Arval Strickland for a sesquicentennial issue of the Missouri Historical Review to mark the state's 150th birthday. While each author offered a different historical perspective on life in Missouri in the 1820s, Shoemaker sent out his article on his usual stomping grounds, Political History, in a review of Missouri statesmen David Barton, John Rice Jones, and Edward Bates, concluding that, quote, no state has had more able public servants laboring for her welfare than Missouri, end quote. According to those who knew him, Shoemaker remained active in research and writing until the very end. On August 6, 1972, Shoemaker suffered a heart attack and died at his home in Columbia. When his funeral was held a few days later, Governor Warren Hearns, members of the Academy of Missouri Squires, and the University of Missouri Administrators served as honorary pallbearers. In its October 1972 edition, the Missouri Historical Review opened with an obituary for Shoemaker, where it noted that, quote, he always created a feeling of pride in local history and a sense of belonging to the greater magnificent history of Missouri, end quote. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Our Missouri podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, including past and future episodes, information about guests, and upcoming events, please visit our website at shsmo.org forward slash our-missouri.